Would you open God's precious holy word to 2 Samuel chapter 3? This chapter lays the basis of how David became the king of Israel. So let's look at it together. The contrast is drawn between the house of David and the house of Saul. David looks more and more like a king. Ishbosheth looks less and less like a king. So let's see what the scripture says. The war between the house of Saul and the house of David was long. David kept growing stronger while the house of Saul were continuously growing weaker. Now what's happening, you see it I think later here in this chapter but in another place as well in the scriptures. More and more people are who have who were under the house of Saul of the other tribes besides Judah and some of Levi and some of Benjamin. Ishbosheth, the last, the only son that Saul had left, was put in as a king by Abner, the commander of Saul's army. And the people begin to notice the strong leadership of David and the weak leadership of Ishbosheth. So you had a contrast between leaders. One of them, namely David here, is very strong. He wins the battles. He's brave. He's forthright. And he has a, a winsome character. And he's a man after God's own heart. And he had not mistreated the people ever. He always did what was right for the people. Then you have Saul's son, Ishbosheth. He, he's a pathetic leader. He's, he's weak and he shows himself more and more to be without a clue when it comes to leading a nation. I don't know of any other time in history that's ever happened. But it happened back then. A contrast between leaders. More and more of the people are saying, give us David. So when it says David kept growing stronger, it not only means in the war against the house of Saul, but it means by his personality and his leadership qualities. And sons were born to David in Hebron, and his firstborn was Amnon. Now we only have the firstborn here. Later on in our study, we'll have a more complete list of all of the, of the children of, of David. His firstborn was Amnon of Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess. His second, Kiliab of Abigail, the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. The third, Absalom, the son of Maacha, 
the daughter of Talmai, the king of Geshur. Now that tells us something there that among his wives and concubines were women who were taken into his household to secure an alliance with, with other leaders, other kings. And that's just the way that it was done back then. And the fourth, Adonijah, the son of Hagit. The fifth, Shephatia, the son of Abital. And the sixth, Ithrim of Egla, David's wife. These were born to David in Hebron. The point is made that Ishbosheth has a son. David has a, a barn full of sons. This was an important aspect as well when people followed a king to know that there would be a successor to the king. Life in those days for the sons of a king would be a life of training and education that would be put to the test in various ways. And in the case of David, but in the case of kings, uh, one or two or three of the sons would emerge as being ahead of the others. So when it would come time for succession to the throne, by the time, hopefully, in the eyes of the people, in the eyes of the king's household, by the time that came, one of the sons was well-groomed and well-prepared to step right in uh, to the role of, of king. So this is an important aspect uh, to show how strong David's household is and the possibilities uh, for David as well. Now you remember Abner, he's a relative of Saul and he's his nephew. He was the general of the armies of Saul and he's a kingmaker. He took the only son Saul had and he put him on the throne. But you can read between the lines that Abner was pretty much calling the shots. And he was the one in, in leadership. But he recognizes the increasing weakness, I guess you could say it that way, of Ishbosheth. And so he joins forces with David. Now I'll tell you, this early part of David's life and reign as a king, he starts out as a king of Judah. For seven years he was king of Judah, but for those seven years, as I said earlier, more and more of the people of the tribes were beginning to lean toward David. They were saying, you know, this we really need him. He's the guy to protect us and to help us prosper. Um, so the story here, and it's an interesting story, the story of the establishment of David's throne over all of Israel is in this early stage written in the lives of three men, namely David, Abner, and Joab. 
So Abner has a falling out with the guy that he placed on the throne. This would have been his cousin, I guess, in the house of Saul, Ishbosheth. So he has a quarrel with him. And it was while there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David, and Abner was exerting great effort to support the house of Saul. Now Saul had had a concubine whose name was Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah. And he said to Abner, that is Ishbosheth, why did you go into my father's concubine? Well, the story now becomes an R-rated story, right? That's significant in a lot of ways in that culture. Whenever a king died, his harem of wives and concubines became the property of the succeeding king. So Saul's wives and concubines were supposed to be the property of Ishbosheth. He accuses and that we don't we don't see the evidence. It's just it's just it just it just comes out this way. Why did you go into my father's concubine? Now, the question is a loaded question. The question is this. Why do you think you have the right to ownership of any part of the throne, including my father's harem? How is it that you think you have that much control in the kingdom? And Abner became very angry at the words of Ishbosheth, And he said, am I the head of the dogs which belong to Judah? Shall I do kindness today with the house of Saul, your father, to his brothers and to his friends, as I have done until now? And I have not delivered you into David's hand, and you charge me today with the guilt concerning the woman. Now, Abner seems to be defensive about it. So, the question is open-ended for you and me when we read this story of what really happened. How did Ishbosheth get his... How did he get his information? Where's the proof? The evidence there apparently wasn't presented. Abner, on the other hand, is greatly offended. I'm going to bite that wasp in half if it does that again. Where's Charles? He got the Holy Ghost here Sunday with a wasp. About five years ago, Pat got the Holy Ghost over here with a wasp. She even stood up and was shaking her hair. It's quite entertaining. Now you'll hear the screech of my kia and see how fast my hands are if that thing comes in front of me. All right. Um, so Abner is apparently offended by the charge made against him. Now you have to keep this in mind. It is the purpose of God for David to be the king of Israel, not just Judah, but all of Israel. This is a working that is taking place over a period of about seven years. This is not something that just happens. Obviously, Ishbosheth was jealous of Abner. Abner was the great war hero, great warrior. 
and something has been said, a charge has been made. It came from somewhere and Ishbosheth took it as truth and makes his accusation. It's not a good idea for Ishbosheth to turn on Abner because if he doesn't have Abner, he doesn't have anything as a king who is growing weaker and weaker in, in every way, especially in the eyes of the people. So this thing comes about, was it a whisper? Was it, <laughs> was it something permitted by Yahweh to move a situation all I know is the will of God is being worked out. It's in a strange way, but it's still being worked out. David is the progenitor of the Christ. David carries in his loins the hope of the world. He is the forebear of the Savior. That's by the covenant of Yahweh. And that covenant cannot be broken. It's the word of God. Now, it may take some years. God doesn't ever tell us how long it's going to take him to do something. He just says he's going to do something, and we trust that. And in God, God's good time, it happens. So here, things, things are working. You have to think about how, as God accomplishes his purpose. Now, he's moving us through history beyond beyond the gospel time and beyond the early church era, even beyond the church era itself. And taking us into the time of the closure of, of God's promise of 77-year periods determined upon Israel in the 70th year, 70th seven-year period has not worked out yet. It's divided into two parts. That time's coming. It may be, I think it's very near, but it's not here yet. But think of the lives, the works of nations, the movement of history, all of the things that are happening to carry us finally to the end of the fallen age, to where at last the eternal kingdom is established. And we are finally in the new heaven and the new earth. It's, it's, uh, it's amazing how these things are working. This is just the lives of three men, but what happens in the lives of those three men, it'll affect us because of the Davidic covenant that had been made. So, Elohim do so to Abner and so may he continue to him for as Yahweh has sworn to David for so shall I do to him. The tran to transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and to set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah from Dan to Bathsheba. He could not answer Abner another word because of his fear of him. Now let me put that in a little plainer terminology here. Abner says, you know what? 
this thing about Yahweh giving the kingdom to David is true. I'm getting tired of standing up for you and I'm sure getting tired of fighting against David and his men. So I guess the time has come for me to transfer the king. This guy, Abner, thinks of himself as a kingmaker and a kingbreaker. Indeed, he is. He controls the armies of Saul. So he said, okay, it's, it's what God said anyway. We just transfer the kingdom now from the house of Saul and give it all to David. And David would become the king over all of Israel as well as Judah. From the farthest reaches to the farthest reaches. And he could not answer. So he's scared. He has no backbone. He's, he's afraid. He's not a leader at all. He's easily intimidated. So now Abner begins negotiations with David. Abner sent messengers to David from his place saying, To whom the land belongs saying, make your covenant with me and behold, my hand is with you to bring around all Israel to you. And he said, good, I shall make a covenant with you. But one thing I ask of you, namely, that you should not see my face unless you first bring Michal, Saul's daughter, when you come to see my face. You remember her? It's been a while. But she was Saul's daughter who was given to David because he, he defeated uh, Goliath and the promise had been made. To, uh, to, to give a daughter. So anyway, David is still, still sees himself as Saul's son-in-law. So through his marriage, he still has a connection to the house of Saul. I'm not going to say that after all this time, he still has tremendously warm feelings for McCall, but he does know that his hand is strengthened as the king of Israel. If he can bring her back into his, we talked about the importance of wives and concubines earlier. If he can bring her back into his household, this will make the people realize even more that he indeed does have a rightful claim to the throne. So it's a, it's, a, it's a political move. David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, saying, Give my wife a call whom I espoused to myself with 104 skins of Philistines. And Ishbosheth sent and took her from a man from Paltiel, the son of Laish. <laughs> okay, McCall. She'd been happily married, I guess, to this guy, uh, Paltiel. For all these years, that doesn't seem to matter to anybody. They're bigger fish to fry here, I guess. So she's married to this guy, Paltiel. Her husband, Paltiel, went with her, walking and weeping after her up to Baharun, Baharin, Baharin. And Abner said to him, Don't you have somewhere else to be? This is just not you anymore, man. You got to leave. Well, you know, when Abner 
He probably kind of pats his sword when he says it. You know, that's the gospel according to Charles. You can take that or leave it. But it was enough. <laughs> you got to think. So is this guy going to defend his honor and the honor of his wife? No. He's just going to leave. Go and return. And he returned. So the basis for all of the allegiance that Israel makes to David is here established. It's, it, there's more to go in the next couple of chapters. But this lays the foundation of it all. The word of Abner had been with the elders of Israel saying, In times past, you were seeking David as king over you. In other words, you guys have already expressed your disappointment since Saul died of this weak son of Saul becoming your king. And I've heard what you've been saying and you've been wishing that David was your king. And so now do it. For Yahweh said about David saying, by the hand of my bondsman David shall I deliver my people Israel from the hand of the Philistines and from the hand of all their enemies. And Abner spoke also in the ears of Benjamin and Abner also went to speak in David's ears in Hebron all that pleased Israel in the entire house of Benjamin. Now, why is Benjamin separated from the other tribes in this particular account? Saul was of the house of Benjamin. So, they would have been the ones most likely to disagree because Saul and the house of Saul was of their kinsmen. But it says here that they are pleased with what Abner says. Abner came to David to Hebron, and with him were 20 men. And David made a feast for Abner and for the men who were with him. Abner said to David, I shall get up and go and gather all Israel to my lord the king. And they'll make a covenant with you, and you will reign over all that your soul desires. And David sent Abner off, and he went in peace. Meanwhile, back at the camp of Joab, Asahel, remember him? Joab's brother, Abner, killed him. Asahel was chasing Abner, and he wasn't a match for Abner. And Abner kept telling him, leave me alone. Go back. I don't want to fight you. Get on. Leave me alone. Kept pursuing him, kept pursuing him until Abner just killed him. Well, that's been a while, but Joab never forgets this. David's men have been making raids of the villages and towns of the enemy of the Philistines and others. And that's how his men made their living. They secured the borders by defeating the nearest towns and cities and villages of the Philistines of the enemies of Israel and then they took what was left for their own. And this is, this is how they made their living. So Joab obviously is not here when David makes his deal with Abner. But Joab can't let it go. So he murders Abner. Now Joab is also related to David. You have Abner related to Saul and Joab is related to David. 
Behold, David's servants and Joab came from pursuing a troop, and they brought much plunder with them. Now Abner was not with David, for he had sent him off, and he'd gone in peace. And Joab and all the army which were with him came, and they told, old, told Joab, saying, Abner the son of Ner came to the king, and he sent him off, and he went in peace. Joab came to the king and said, What have you done? Look, Abner came to you. Why have you sent him off so that he's gone? You know, Abner, the son of Ner, that he has come to entice you and to know you're going out and you're coming in. He came as a spy and to know all that you're doing. And Joab departed from David and he sent messengers after Abner and they brought him back from the well of the thorns. But David was unaware of all of this. Abner returned to Hebron, and Joab caused him to turn aside unwittingly into the midst of the gate to speak with him, and he struck him there under the fifth rib. <laughs> That's pretty precise for the Bible to tell us that. Struck him under the fifth rib, and he died for the blood of Asahel, his brother. In those days, of course, it was a tribal uh, duty to affect revenge against someone who had murdered your kin. David heard this afterward and said, I and my kingdom are innocent before Yahweh forever for the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. Now here's David's problem. The guy who has called the elders together and made them promise to pledge their allegiance to David just got killed by the general of David's armies. That doesn't look good. David begins to make his case because he is this close to bringing the whole kingdom, all of the tribes together as one kingdom. I and my kingdom are innocent before Yahweh forever of the blood of Abner, the son of Ner, may it rest upon the head of Joab and upon all of his father's house. And may there not fail from the house of Joab one who has an issue or one who is smitten with za'ara. Well, you know what that is. That's a leprosy. Or one who leans on a staff or who falls by the sword or who lacks bread. So he, he places a curse on Joab's household. And now Joab and Abishai his brother slew Abner because he put Asahel, their brother, to death in Gibeon in the battle. It's, it's never a good thing when one of your chief lieutenants has a different agenda from the guy who is in charge. That's never a good thing. And so this creates a little bit of a problem in the bringing of the kingdom together. But remember, God, God's there. Remember, David is in pursuit after the heart of God. Remember, God has promised the kingdom to David. It's all coming together except for this really crazy uh, event. So David now will publicly mourn Abner. David, for all purposes, David is the king of everybody now. It's, it, it's made official a little bit later. We'll get there in a week or two. But here he comes before the people publicly and he mourns the death of Abner. 
And David said to all the people who were with him, Rend your clothes and gird yourselves with sackcloth and wail before Abner. And King David went after the beer. So he's telling the people that this is a time of grieving and mourning for the hero uh, Abner. And they buried Abner in Hebron, and the king raised his voice and wept on Abner's grave, and all the people wept. The king lamented Abner and said, Should Abner die like a wicked man? Your hands were not bound, your feet were not in copper chains. As one who falls before wicked men, you have fallen. And all the people continued to weep over him. And all the people came to serve David bread while it was still daytime. But David swore saying, Elohim do so to me and so continue if before sunset I taste bread or anything. This was part of the process of deep grief. Couldn't eat anything. You may remember back in Leviticus, even though it was Aaron's duty to partake of bread in a particular ritual, he said to Moses, I can't. My sons have just died. They brought strange fire and they were burned up. And I, I know I'm supposed to do this, but I just can't. So it's supposed to be reflective of the deep grief that is within a person. And David will not take anything to eat at this point. He is making an effective public display of his sorrow over the loss of, of Abner. And all the people recognized and it was pleasing in their eyes. That's funny. David's crying his eyes out and that pleased him. All which the king did was pleasing in the eyes of all the people. What it means is they, they satisfactorily accepted his sincerity in the issue. And all the people in all Israel knew on that day that it was not of the king to put to death Abner the son of Ner. Now this is a movement of the Spirit of God to bring the people together even after this other event had happened. Because it is the design of God that David will be king of Israel and the son of David will always be on the throne. The king said to his servants, Do you not know that a prince and a great man has fallen this day in Israel, and today I am tender and just anointed king. And these men, the sons of Zeruiah, are harder than me. May Yahweh requite the evildoer according to his evil. Now all of this chapter is the basis preceding the final formality of David becoming the king of all Israel. David was the king of all Israel. His son Solomon was the king of all Israel. His grandson Rehoboam was the king of all Israel for a while. But then the kingdom split again. And there was the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Uh, and in the part of the Bible where we're studying, we, will, we, will, we see that and we keep it in the backs of our minds. Uh, to, see, to see how God is still working out his purpose to maintain the purity of Judah in general and of the house of David in particular. Well, we'll stop there and we will have our uh, deacon prayer time.